0: Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we worked in the stigma of failure in an industry systemically designed for you to fail. Join us as we dive into the real life stories of survivors, experts, and advocates to debunk the common myths and fallacies of cults, scams, and multi-level marketing.
1: Hey, HunBots and HunBros. Uh, I, I I'm speechless. I know that doesn't happen that often. You guys listen to the show, you know, but listen to this. The last couple episodes that I have been doing have garnered so much attention from you guys. I know there's a few of you that message me or comments or like, but I have gotten so many messages and emails since we started talking about the purity culture episodes and sort of diving deeper into these topics that are a little hard to discuss, but we're trying to discuss them in a nice way. I am just so unbelievably floored by the emails that I've received in like the last two weeks. You guys are incredible. I'm getting back to you uh, as soon as possible. I'm setting up my scheduling link. Check your email. It's all in there. Um, and I know I, I extend it all the time. And I know that there's like a submission form. But to be perfectly honest, like I'm so busy that half the time I can't even get to that submission form. So if you really want to be on the show, I, just email me. Just email me and be like, Roberta, I've tried every other way. I'm finally just emailing you, and I will get back to you soon. Um, I, I'm telling you, it's it's definitely the squeaky wheel over here that gets my attention. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's really incredible. So the whole point of all of that is to say that I have so many really cool new perspectives on some of these stories that we're telling to give us different views from different sides and to sort of piece these stories together because so many of these topics that we talk about people don't talk about them. And so because we are, there are so many things that are flooding to everybody's mind as we go through these episodes, being like, oh my God, this happened to me, or I remember this, or wait a second, I knew somebody, or even the one I got today. Oh my gosh, you talked to somebody who I know, and I have more to add to that story as well. So just really cool stuff. So I want to say thank you to every single person that feels inclined to open up their email app and shoot me an email. It's the therealrobertablevins at gmail.com not too hard. I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> but I really want to say thank you because it's really cool and I cannot wait to go deeper into some of these topics and to just dive, dive, dive. And in saying that, I want to let you know that today's episode is a heavy episode, but it is a hilarious episode. And I feel like the only kind of people that can tell horrifically, horrible, hilarious stories cult survivors. Uh, And so I'm so excited. I know I have been singing the praises of shiny happy people for weeks, but I'm so excited because this episode is with Tara and Floyd. I adore them. They are so cute. And it is just a really, really interesting story because although they're both connected, they have very opposite stories of how it all came together. And it's really interesting to get both of those perspectives in the same conversation. And if you really loved this episode and you want even more from Tara and Floyd, there is like almost forty plus extra bonus minutes on the Patreon of this episode because Tara and Floyd actually do an exclusive Q and A for the Patreon members. So it's really fun if you're really into this. That this might be that this might be the thing that pushes you over the edge. I also want to let you know. I think I mentioned it before, but I don't even know what day it is half the time. We're revamping the Patreon. And there's going to be new tiers, and I just, I'm going to try to provide as much content in as many different price points as possible, so that if you want the bonus content, it's not going to break the bank. I also want to welcome our newest Patreon members to the family, Hannah Mansmith, Sarah Van Tassel, Molly White, Jamie, Rashad Austin, and Jeff Morris. Thank you! I am... We've got the book club going on. We've got new episodes of Humberta. I'm really trying to like revamp the Patreon uh, and, you know, make it a more fun place. So I really, really, really appreciate everybody that's joining, you know, and stay tuned. Like I said, we've got new stuff coming up. And that being said, uh, this episode does dive into some pretty heavy topics. Some of these topics are just exclusive to that Patreon Q&A. But again, we're talking to IBLP survivors. It's pretty heavy. And these are the possible topics that may come up in our conversation. We don't really go into depth into too many of them, but they definitely are mentioned and are at least a topic of a few sentences in our conversation. So so obviously, IBLP and ATI, that's the homeschool. Bill Gothard comes up quite a bit. But also SA and pedophilia and sobriety and addiction. We have suicidal thoughts Pregnancy and infertility troubles, feminine health issues. I mean, it really runs the gamut. But if you watched Shiny Happy People and you thought, you know what, I want to know more about Tara and Floyd, this is the episode for you. I also want to say, if you're a fan of Arrested Development, you're probably going to like this episode. Lots of pop culture references this week. And then I wanted to mention because Rashad, one of our newest Patreon members, um, actually commented on one of the... Posts in the Patreon and kind of updated and gave me a new link about the Borgs that we talked about in the Purity Culture episode and about how they can be kind of dangerous if you're not paying attention. He was actually a part of this really horrific thing that happened. And so he shared the link and I updated the link in not only the show notes um, on the Patreon, but also just the regular show notes as well. So if you want to look into that, Uh, a little bit more. I want to say thank you to Rashad for sending me that link um, so that I could update that because, yeah, yeah, dangerous. I feel like any time you just throw a bunch of alcohol in a big jug and drink it all, it's pretty dangerous. So thank you for the updated information. And again, you guys are incredible. This has been another amazing week. If you didn't catch the after show that I did with Amazon Prime Video, I know, isn't that wild? If you didn't catch that on YouTube, The link is in the show notes. You can catch the after show. And if you were there during the live chat, thank you so much for showing up when you could and supporting. You are incredible. I will see you next week. Enjoy this episode. I know you're going to welcome back to another episode of life after mlm i am so excited i know i've been talking about this documentary for like weeks and i know i told everybody i was gonna be doing content but it's actually happening it's happening right now and we're gonna do some shiny happy people content and i'm starting it off with i'm gonna call you guys my friends i feel like we've talked so many times that we're friends tara and floyd welcome to the show it's so great to see you guys
2: Thank, Thank you. you so much for having us. And yes, you are absolutely allowed to use the label of friends. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Anyone who's gone through this process with us is now considered friends. Yes. A friend. Yes. Trauma
1: bonds. <laughs> <laughs> Like, right? Like, oh, so we're trauma bonded besties. Yep. Yes.
2: <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh my
3: gosh.
1: So for anybody that hasn't watched the documentary yet, I don't know what you're doing. I I don't know how many times I've told you guys to watch it, but fill everybody in a little bit of what the documentary is and how you're portrayed. And then we'll get into some actual questions i prepared.
3: Well, one of my favorite things to lead into conversations when I meet new people is I was raised in a cult. <laughs> And that is what the entire documentary is. Well, not the entire documentary. It's kind of hovers around the story of the Duggars' eighteen nineteen kids and counting. Yes, and the insidious dark ideology that bore that family into an ex- into existence, existence yeah. literally. Yeah, <laughs> and we were both a part of it to in one extent. degree or another. Right, and
2: Floyd was definitely more involved in the entire.
3: Uh, Ecosystem, um, yeah, yeah. Then need, I was. Yeah, people need to stop saying umbrella. Yeah, no, we need to triggering. get umbrella.
2: Yes, it's very <laughs> triggering for these these IBL peers. But yeah. the underbelly of what created the Duggars was a man named Bill Gothard, and he had a ministry that was referred to as IBLP or the Institute in Basic Life Principles. It was just go watch the documentary. Yeah, I mean that that'll definitely. <laughs> If I, if we're having to explain it this much, this yeah, is very come captivating. Back. Yeah. And it was so beautifully done. It was such an honor to be a part of it.
1: I think one of the most interesting things to me is like, this isn't a church. It's like a seminar. It, it's like an, a lifestyle, like a way it, of being.
2: Yeah. I mean, I look at it and maybe it just feels more natural to me because it was kind of a part of the homeschool community. Like, as a whole
3: a lot of bleed through into homeschool or conservative culture and the things that got taught through ivlp so it gets annoying saying ideology but that's really what it boils down to was yeah. this guy's bizarro world and his teachings and you're right it wasn't a church it's not its own religion it piggybacks on top of whatever anybody's already got and that's i think one of the things that made it so insidious people weren't nervous about, well, I'm a Lutheran. I can't go to a Methodist church or- oh, I,
2: It allows for a crossover.
3: Yeah, it's non-denominational. So it feels non-threatening until it has its hooks in you.
2: <laughs> I mean, but even as like, because I, Roberta, you're not the first person who has said that, you know, it's so strange. It's not, you know, it's not a church. It's not a this. And my brain goes, yeah, but it's it's a ministry. And that's what, like, what a ministry it's looks like.
3: It's religious. But
2: because I, like, put myself in your shoes just now and I'm going, oh, well- that because of the religion aspect of it Mm -hmm. you're gonna go oh this is a church no it's not a church oh okay then what is it it?"
1: it's like a supplement to church
2: (laughs) it's your vitamin iblp you just you take it four times daily and say your prayers and you're good
1: (laughs) you gotta choke down those horse pills four times a day
3: (laughs) apparently yes (laughs) If I'm quiet, it's because I'm reliving childhood trauma in real time.
1: But
2: I want to say that so Floyd and I were both homeschooled.
3: Well, I was homed.
2: I was homeschooled. Yes, yes. Floyd was home. I was homeschooled. That is our our little bit there. Mm -hmm. But his family went for it, hook, line, and sinker. IBLP.
3: We went to all the conferences that we could. We went to multiple seminars, went to Knoxville yearly. I had siblings who participated in a bunch of the programs. I went to Russia with IBLP, was there for a couple months. I took part in the first class of Verity, uh, which was their college, not a college. Um, went to Mexico. And went to Mexico. So
2: yeah. And for me... I was homeschooled, but we never joined ATI, which was the homeschool group that fell underneath IBLP. We did- Y'all uh, had
3: all the materials. We, we,
2: had, we had quite a bit of the materials. Like we did the character sketchbooks. We also did wisdom booklets when I was younger. And then I do remember going to a couple of conferences, but- Probably the
3: seminars. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, my parents could never sign on the dotted line because you were expected to give up your TV. You were expected to, like there are just these different things in life that came along with it. Now, did everyone follow those rules to a T? No. Certainly not. But my family was unwilling to lie about it and so they just they never wanted to you know commit completely my mom would always say that seinfeld saved me because she didn't want to give up like watching tv seinfeld. like she didn't want to have to yeah
3: it was a nightly ritual in their home
2: yeah they my parents really loved that She played
3: on at 6 30 on nbc and it Is was it, always on
2: yeah, yeah. well it, yeah. it saved it me it saved
3: you not enough
2: no
1: I watched Seinfeld with my dad, like religiously that maybe that was the, my church was Seinfeld. But yes, the, I watched oh it religiously with my dad yes, but every week. Yes. It's
3: it's ironic to me because for these people that have these deeply held convictions about morality and civility, that is not Seinfeld. Like it is irreverent. And I mean, maybe not by today's standards, but by then it was vulgar. Oh my God. Yeah. they, it, You know. God bless them for loving. It. It's hilarious. Oh,
2: Seinfeld. And and Roberta, at one point when you and I were on a video call, I think it might have been our first one. Was I mistaken? Did you did you quote Arrested Development? Always. Okay. You are my favorite in the whole world. <laughs> yeah. Seinfeld and Arrested Development. You are you are perfect.
3: It's astonishing that you can say anything that isn't sarcastic.
2: Oh, I always say I'm like, I'll tell people uh, English is my second language, sarcasm is my first yeah. because that is just true. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. And it's because of Seinfeld and Arrested Development.
1: Yeah. If I can throw in an Arrested Development quote, especially a really obscure one, I will. And I think what I said to you, we were talking, <laughs> exactly what I said to you, we were talking about what to expect when being in a documentary, because it was a couple days before the documentary came out. So we were talking about what to expect. And I I had a couple of you guys chat before the documentary came out to just talk about the experience experience. and and what what to expect. Right. Right. And I said to you, talking about trolls, I said, you're going to get some hop-ons.
2: That's what, (laughs) What and here's the thing. (laughs) When you said that, I asked you what you meant by that because I couldn't believe for a second <laughs> that you were actually quoting Arrested Development. I was, she is not talking about the stair car right there that cannot possibly be left <laughs> yes. her mouth. Okay. Yes. But yeah. yeah. Anytime you- we
1: can throw an Arrested Development quote into the show, it happens. It happens often. We'll say like illusions, Michael, that comes up right. a lot. Oh,
2: illusions. Or I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, brother. And the other <laughs> hey, one. Mano. So I think Job is my all-time, because <laughs> Will Arnett is just like yeah. a perfect gem of a human.
1: Mr. Banana Grabber, you know? Oh my gosh. Why would a banana There's grab another banana? There's always money
2: in the banana stand, <laughs> Roberta.
3: Tricks are something a whore does for money, Michael.
1: <laughs> or candy. Oh yes, oh
3: God, oh, God. oh my gosh. Oh my okay, so oh, I don't yeah. we left off so, though.
1: Yeah, so I, I thought it was funny you're wearing a Seinfeld shirt
3: yeah right talking about it and it's like it's just a it's part of the backdrop
1: yeah there there we go it just goes in so you know let's talk about the making of the documentary and then we'll get into this gateway into fundy hell and talk about being homeschool kids because i just you guys are just so cute so (laughs) tell me and i already know because i i did a documentary with these people and i i know so tell me what it was like being in a documentary and what made you guys decide to participate
2: well, I would say that it was one of the most like out of body experiences of my life. It for one, it was surreal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! How pretentious is it if you quote yourself <laughs> from a documentary? Because that's what he just did there.
1: <laughs> it's, well, look it's here. I'll tell you this. World. I don't know if you guys have gifts yet, but I hate it when other people use my gift, but I <laughs> gift myself all the time. Oh, that's hilarious! And I have one that says, "It's a lot." And so I'll <laughs> I put that know. on people's stuff all the time. Yeah, that's funny. Floyd's my gift. Own joke.
2: Floyd's gift is uh, surreal. Yeah, so not obnoxious at all to, <laughs> to throw that out it there. I'll allow really
1: it.
3: Absolutely, yes. though, how I feel about it. Because, you know, I've gone my entire life struggling to explain to normal people the experiences that were normal to me that no one else understands. And now we're sitting in front of a production crew with cameras and lights pointed at us. And they're asking detailed questions like, Oh my God, like they understand. They not
2: only understand, they care they, they to use, know what the answer is. They know is. the
3: lingo. I don't have to explain who Bill Gothard is or what IBLP stands for. Cause they already know all of these things. And that's why I said surreal because it, it was.
2: No one ever knows, you know, he's, had different jobs over the course of his life. And he'll say on a regular basis that he knows with confidence when he walks into the room, like I have the most traumatic story here. Like <laughs> I, I am the way I am because I could beat you all in a yeah. comparison game here. Yeah.
3: Or I'll just randomly say something really awful about my parents and people will be like, Oh, you can't say that. And then like maybe a year later, you know, a little bit of my story comes out and they'll be like, Oh. Yeah, this
2: makes a lot more sense. (laughs) Floyd's apparently really in it for the long game, though. Let them think that you're a monster for a whole year. That's a...
3: Yeah, because then they feel bad. (laughs) Then they really feel bad. Guilt is really deep. That's right. And if there's anything that Somebody who went through IBLP understands it's guilt.
2: Oh, yes. And, and shame. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. So I don't know what... You were a little more accomplished and like just with what you were doing when you went into your documentary and we were sitting on a couch at our house and then we were sitting in chairs in front of a,
3: you know... <laughs> well, there was one important step in between that, which right. is we had just watched the Lula Rich documentary, which was phenomenal. Yes. And if anyone hasn't seen that my god you're really under a rock
1: right yeah now
3: you've got like eight hours of television to catch
1: up i know well, and i'm really disappointed in you right. and right. you're here right. listening. i think you need to just
2: quit your job and <laughs> devote yourself sick you don't have to quit <laughs> i went nuclear <laughs> yeah
3: no kidding dear lord so we had just watched lula rich and it was excellent it's one of the things that she put on, like in the background, and then I stopped working oh, to yeah. watch it.
2: I do this on purpose. I will <laughs> to be see like, will, get my "Will it bother you if I put something on it?" And I'm just like in the kitchen, just like, "Oh yeah, he's in it to yeah. win it now. And I he's watching. This is great."
3: So that, that was great. And then randomly, some we saw an article. He
2: says randomly, but Google is alive and well, <laughs> and was aware of our immediate. Fine.
3: The algorithm yes. told us that yes. there is going to be a documentary about IBLP. And I was like, oh, finally. <laughs> and in, in it, it mentioned it was the same people who did Lula Rich. I'm like, dude, instantly back on Google. Yes. Found the production company, found the old, uh, there's not a lot of contact info, but there was one little yes. email at the bottom of a footer page and I emailed them and I was like, hey, by the way, I did blah, 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 blah.
2: And he spelled out, like, the email wasn't ridiculously long. I was very impressed. Like, it was just very well thought out. And it was just like, here's the bullet points of what I bring to the table with my story. I'd love
3: to talk about it if you guys are looking for people. Because
2: at the end of the day, he's one of hundreds. Thousands. Okay. And
3: it's... There are dozens of us. (laughs) No, Um.
2: Yes. Dozens. It just felt like, you know, we want to support you in your mission and in your cause, but it was almost a joke, Roberta. Like it was almost just like, well, wouldn't this be hysterical? Like (laughs) if they actually would want, because when you compare us to all of the other phenomenal humans in this documentary, many of them have an audience and a voice and you are talking with two people who just, that wasn't a part of our dynamic.
3: We're we're literally no one. No,
2: like I've got like 8,000 people on my TikTok page right now. And I'm right now and I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. (laughs) But yeah, I'm so honored for those 8,000
3: Three, four weeks later, before we heard a response.
2: Yeah, it was December of 2021, And I think within a week we had a response. Okay. Because uh, approximately (laughs) felt like four weeks. Yeah. Approximately three weeks later, three and a half weeks later, we were filming. Yeah. And so they reached
3: out. We did a Zoom interview and they're like, come on
2: up. And the crazy thing about it was we sat in this very spot right here. Floyd, this is
3: our interview. Yes. This is which the people on the podcast can't see.
2: No, no, no. But we sat down and I sat down next to him as I am right now and was just here for support. Because again, my family didn't sign on the dotted line, we didn't walk that exact path. But I think there was because I do have homeschool experience, because I'm very well versed not only through Floyd's story, but through my own, you know, fundamentalist upbringing that I kept the pace and was, I, I know the lingo, I know the lay of the land and I have my own stories too. Well,
3: and as we went down this, the more we talked about it, the more overlap we found. Like stuff that you had either repressed or hadn't talked about or never drew the connection. There was, she told me this story once, oh, we went to this really weird VBS one time and I was like, okay, you know, like what, what was it like? And I was like, well, all the parents were in one room and all the kids were in another and they had to sing songs and there were character qualities and we wore these sashes and they had buttons with animals on them. And I'm like, dude, that's a children's institute. That's literally an IBLP seminar that you went to.
2: And I just didn't, I, we didn't go to enough of it for it to have obviously right. sunk in that that's what happened. But I called my mom and I was like, did I go to a children's institute? She's like, yeah. Oh, Okay, so I did have a little bit more involvement. And-, and they
3: were pretty quiet when we started dating. Like the day I met her mom, she's like, so I heard you know Bill Gothard. And I was like, yeah, he's an evil, sadistic piece of garbage. And she's like, oh. <laughs> and that was like it. <laughs> oh, so, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my wow.
1: God. Well, what was it like? You know, you go into this and then what was it? How did you feel when you were done recording after you had gotten everything out on camera and told your story? What did that feel like? It was
3: very emotionally draining. I, a little shell shocked because this isn't stuff that I talk about on a daily basis. Some, you know, some of the stuff I haven't talked about in years, but having laid bare my life (laughs) and experiences, I was hopeful that they would be able to use it some way to further help the people. cause. Yeah, yeah. Help to I keep saying this needs to be drug into the light because it will die in the light. And if anything I said can help that process, then it's worth it. And that's why I emailed them initially. It's why we agreed to go and talk. And it's I think for both of us, it's been the driving force through this whole thing.
2: We weren't so like pompous when he wrote that email that, that they would need us, but we just wanted to extend this like hand of saying Listen, if this helps you further this dragging it into the light, please utilize this story. And so it's very humbling. And and just I was so proud of him and knowing this man, what I've stood beside him and the path that we've walked down and seeing it come to this like full circle moments where we have been homeless, we have been penniless, we have been jobless, we have lost everything. And to be sitting there, him having reached a point of being able to work through And see the trauma and understand the impact that it had on his life. Like, proud isn't a strong enough word. It just, I would love to go back to eight years ago, Floyd, or 10 years ago, Floyd, and go, you're never going to believe this. But all of this right now is going to be for a purpose. And just hang in there.
3: And I can say with absolute certainty that they could have gotten anyone to get up there and pontificate like I did. I mean... The clips they used is mostly backstory for me, but one of them watching, and we've watched it a couple of times now, one of the most meaningful parts to me is watching her face through this. We sat there and I we kind of saw it happen, but to see it on screen and the pain and the, the heaviness of it is something that only I think you, Tara, could have brought and did bring. And we've already heard people's remark on it and say they recognize it and identify with it and because even without
2: i think every single person in this cast brings something so unique yeah. and beautiful to it and i never want to be like an imposter you know because we've got these people who like you know they worked at headquarters they they went and did this ministry and I did this still
3: Gothard's feet right right yeah, yeah. and yeah shoes yeah maybe <laughs> feet i don't
2: know oh god uh and while I do have this insight into it with the little bit that my family did use, I do have my own Fundy background that was so heavy. Yeah. And it really did nearly kill me. Yeah. That's just like, I, I don't know. I, I want to be the face for the people watching that documentary who maybe sit down to watch it because, ooh, the sensationalized cult. But then they're like, wait a minute, you know? I
3: recognize this. This that. was a little
2: bit a part of my upbringing. Wait, my church utilized the umbrella of authority, or you know, that head of the households, the men are always in charge. Yeah, and even though I didn't walk the same path as everyone else, I was still incredibly damaged by the same ideology. Yeah whether that was something that I got specific through Bill Gothard or from the churches that were, you know, it was still something that as a child deeply conditioned me also just to piggyback on the question. I don't know like how much to, I (sighs) know I'm still in,
3: Let let me say this
2: Okay.
3: halfway through filming or at some point during the filming process. I mean, we have been at it for hours and they, somebody was like, oh, maybe we should take a break for like that was five me. minutes. That okay. was me. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> um, we were in the middle of it. And I kept thinking for sure they're going to like pause because breakfast feels like it was a long time ago. And finally, I was like, did I like I hate to interrupt this very poignant question that you've asked, like this important question. But like, did I see a cliff Bar upstairs? Like, <laughs> and can I go grab it and like inhale it really quick? And then they're like, oh, like we've been sitting here talking for five hours. Yeah. Yes, please. Let's take a break. You know, it was just like we were all. Everyone was so in it that it wasn't like they weren't feeding us. It was just, we were no one had thought to eat. Yeah. We just had no one thought to eat. We drove down the street before, like, we got there a little bit early and there was no parking on the street in the house that we filmed. And so we had to park all the way down the block and we parked and we're like walking up and we're like, they had given us a a different address because I think that they were just trying to get us to the general location. And I'm like, I, I don't think that's that. I think the house with like the freaking umbrellas and the light and, and the, the
3: swarm of grips working on. Yes. Lighting and yeah, it
2: was that was like we like the air got sucked out of my life. <laughs> Tell us about your experience. No, it's right. right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it was crazy. But we took a break. And we walked out of the house and down to our car just for and back as a breather. And on the way there, Tara turned to me and said, I'm a, I'm terrified if my family ever sees this, that they'll never talk to me again. And I have been on and off with my family for years. Fuck them. (laughs) They all know my siblings and I are on good terms. My parents met and I've got nothing to lose in that regard. And her family has been her world and, and really our world. They've been the only family we've had consistently through this. That was the,
2: that's what I had to lose.
3: That was the risk that we came to that table with and she brought to that table. And I think that's where you were starting to go.
2: Yeah. I still struggle with a deep seated desire to protect them. And just, I don't want to ever represent my upbringing as being anything than what it was. And I will say to any Joe Schmo who asked me that I had a beautiful childhood. Like, I do not have the horror stories of the people that were raised in this. However, even with that, even though I have never and would never say that, like, I was raised in a cult.
3: (laughs) I reserve that, right? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I think what you're trying to say is your parents had had, even I struggled to say this a little bit, but. I'm just jaded. They had good intentions. They thought they were doing the right thing.
2: And I don't have the stories that the other people... I mean, I... Again... Right, they didn't
3: beat you to the end of the day saying this is for the best.
2: Right, no. And it was... Yeah, and my dad was never like the powerhouse of authority. You know what I mean? It wasn't... He was never looking for any of this to used to his advantage for like manipulation or something like like you see in all the other stories i think that my parents deeply love their kids and from their christian perspective were utilizing a plethora of tools to educate their children in the ways of the Lord. And as a result, the problem is as the oldest and being the personality that I am, whether they were grinding it into me or not, I accepted it as like Bible gospel truth, gospel truth. And it became a foundational, you know, aspect of my life.
3: In a certain way, you really could say that they were victims, too, of that same ideology. And that's something you can
2: see woven through every single story, Roberta. And that's, I am an incredibly empathetic person. I will adopt you and bring you home and love on you to the ends of time. And I can even hear the horror stories. It does not at all justify things that have happened. But then you hear, oh this mom was, you know, experienced SA as a child and she wanted to protect her kids. So then, you know, they, my counselor, when I first started going to him, described my childhood as a cocoon. And the best way for my parents to keep me safe was to put me in this cocoon and to have an influence in making sure a, I don't go to hell. And you know, that's what's on the line here. It's like, These parents. That's what they
3: think is on the line. And
2: the other thing that's very, very like beautiful to anyone look, you know, from the outside looking in that would be drawn into this is that you have answers. Like it's black and white. Right. But it's if you do X, Y, and Z, you're golden. You've got nothing to worry about. And I don't think anything in life works that way. Would it be nice? Absolutely. Yes. But to me, if I see anything now that says, this is the answer. And if you do it like this, you're set. I'm immediately going to go, hell no. <laughs> like that makes me question Tomorrow everything. Yeah. So, and it's funny because you and I have talked about MLM stuff and I absolutely have been unwilling my entire life to Ever get involved, but I didn't even know the term MLM. I would just be like, mm, "That's a pyramid scheme. Like, what are you doing? No, not essential oils. No, not for your stomach. No, not for those vitamins. Nope, nope, nope. Like, no if, detoxes. If someone else is making more money over you because of you, uh, uh-uh, I'm done. Can't sign me up at all. So that's that. that <laughs> you saw I that I,
1: cult for sure. Oh,
2: absolutely. You're like, that's absolutely. a scam. Yes,
1: yes. Now I need to go back to homeschool.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god,
2: yeah. I love it. Yeah. That is it's so crazy because I still need so much therapy. Like it's, I've been I've true. been I've been interviewing people all week. You don't even and I've been doing it for this man's sanity because he I
3: am not a licensed counselor. No,
2: no, I'm, he's been I'm an
3: amateur arsonist at best. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> not a healthy way to deal with your problems. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I, don't I even, built a fire pit outside our house for therapy. Yes. In the winter, I go out a couple times a week and just burn wood.
1: Now, Roberta's a camper. But we went to the beach for my daughter's fifth grade. It was the last day of school. And then the day after, because her teacher's a surfer, we all went to the beach and he was giving the kids surf lessons. And so I was like, I'll just going to be freezing cold. So I will bring firewood. And I set up at the fire pit. And I set up this big bonfire mm-hmm. and I brought all the stuff for s'mores and all of the freezing cold kids. all these little girls oh in my the gosh. house going, can I make a marshmallow next? Oh my and they're God. all just standing around this fire, just shivering It was like 63 degrees outside oh, yeah, and they're no. all in the ocean. I'm like, okay. So yeah. yeah. And uh, everyone's like, Oh, did you bring all this special for the, for the beach day? And I was like, yeah, yeah. like, no, yeah. like yeah. I had all I of this in my car. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't need to do. I didn't need to do anything except add a couple more logs into the car. I had everything oh God. ready. Nice. That is
2: amazing. I nice. freaking love it. That is so fantastic. amateur
1: arsonist. I understand.
2: Yeah, love it. Yeah, that is definitely applies to you.
1: So I have a question that kind of like it goes with what we're talking. So It's it's a really great segue. So Tia in her a little bit culty interview, she mentioned like that the adult spankings that she received had come from this like very, very niche ideology cult within the cult type thing and wasn't necessarily like an IBLP blanket thing. So Mm -hmm. I was just curious and you kind of already touched on it a little bit, but did either of you experience any like specific behavior that was just part of a specific sect that your family followed that other people didn't also That's an
2: experience. Excellent question: It's a great question. <sighs> That's like extra culty that scenario <laughs> with Tia, like
1: right? Yeah, uh, because you know. it made in the documentary. If you're not familiar, it makes it almost seem that it's like a blanket thing that, that IBLP does. And I know right, a yeah. lot of that happens mm-hmm. within the fundamentalist and this whole yeah. like movement. And so yeah. It's not necessarily an IBLP thing. So I was just curious right. if you guys had any other experiences like that.
2: I mean, I will just off the bat, I will echo what you're saying as far as that specific thing is not something that I ever saw, ever heard. I don't recall ever even hearing like stories about like it from like, from my side of things. Right. And I know that you're asking for even outside of that, but I don't think that at least for me, I don't, I can't think of anything that would be like unique or like, whoa, that was.
3: Yeah. Um.
2: Maybe talk to me in a year after more therapy. Yeah,
3: right. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm struggling to sift through memories, trying to discern what was IBLP and what wasn't. Uh, we went to a handful of fundamentalists in, you know, non-denominational churches. And there was a lot of weird stuff that they spoke, but all of it pretty much overlapped with IBLP. So- I, the only
2: thing that pops into my mind as far as like Floyd's situation or experience would be, I feel like this would be more specifically IBLP because even though, so my upbringing was different than Floyd's. We did utilize some of it, but when I walked into Floyd's life and into his family and found out that his father was a pedophile and not only did his mom stay with her husband, their father, but as soon as he was done, the day that he could come back home, he came back home.
0: Seeking the truth never gets old.
1: And with that comes spring cleaning, especially those closets. I am beyond guilty of keeping pieces around that I no longer wear, I'm hoping to fit into again, or I just can't seem to get rid of for whatever reason my brain uses to justify the hanger space. But this year, I am implementing the one-year rule and spring cleaning my wardrobe with the help of Quince. As a sponsor of Life After MLM, shopping with Quince is a great way to support the show and get some cute new items to treat yourself once the purge is over, too. Once you put your seasonal and holiday items in the back of the closet, it's time to purge what's left and see what can be donated and what needs to be retired for good. It's only then that you can organize your keepers and see where you can amp up your style for the coming year. And that's where Quince comes in. By partnering directly with top factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing, Quince cuts the cost out of the middleman and passes the savings on to us at 50 to 80% less than similar brands which means you can stretch your dollar and save on great staple pieces that will last through at least a few spring cleanings. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com MLM for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e.com MLM to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com MLM.
2: And so even though I also had a fundy upbringing, walking into that situation was mind boggling. I viewed it as like, this is ludicrous. My family viewed it as ludicrous. They're like, no, this is like a non-negotiable. If This is something that happens. This is, insane. This is insanity. Yeah. So and then but as a result of this, like Floyd's.
3: But can you really say that wasn't. IBLP was a core part of why she stayed with. That's,
2: but that's my point. Yeah. She's asking, is there anything as a part of IBLP that was, you know, like, you know, that was a little more culty? And it's like that my upbringing, my church, the people that we were surrounded with in homeschool groups, I do not believe that would have ever been something that would have been supported and put on a pedestal. Whereas within the IBLP culture, it was. Surprise. Yeah. (laughs) That was just, they were kind of, like, and maybe I'm being dramatic, but to me, if anyone's not openly against it, it makes it more like the big, the phrase that she used with me was we remained one. When we got married, we became one Yeah, and I was never going to she be free. She never had the right to she, divorce no, him. No, she was not going to leave the unity of their marriage yeah. of as being one. And let's just say I was not on either of his parents'
3: favorite person list. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think you made the top 2000.
2: No, 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 because I just, I I walked in and since I didn't have that IBLP backgrounds, I did not view their marriage like that. And I'm going, (laughs) what the hell are you doing? Why was this something that you allowed your kids to like be in danger or walk through? Where's the priority? And the priority was keeping the oneness of their marriage. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's it's interesting you say that because it mirrors a lot of the interviews that like Anna Duggar has given since Josh yeah, so has gone sure. to prison. Like oh, it's absolutely. Just the exact same thing.
2: It's yeah. so mind-boggling. And I'm so glad they made the point in the documentary. I believe it's an episode four, and I think it was Tia who actually said it was she would have a book deal like that. She would be a multimillionaire like that. Yeah. So if that doesn't show people the depths and the claws and the roots of this ideology, not even money itself could drive her from like-
3: I can't think of anything more (laughs) (laughs) un-American. Oh my gosh.
2: But like, (laughs) she would never- I hope and I would love to see that maybe in the future this is something that happens, but I don't foresee it happening anytime soon. Like if anything with the documentary coming out and her still relying on the Duggar family as a support system, it's something that happens where when someone comes up against you. Well, they, you double down.
3: Yeah. And going through this process and rereading for the first time, a lot of the IBLP material. I mean, not a lot because. He couldn't
2: take it. He couldn't handle it. We cracked open
3: a wisdom booklet and I had a mental breakdown for like 48 hours. I was just like done, checked out and, yeah. and have not opened one since then. Cause I don't think I can, but just revisiting a lot of it. And in conversations with other people over and over again, these philosophies and Teachings that seem perfectly primed to separate you from other people, from other support systems, from anything that might give you an ounce of clarity or safety outside of the governing hierarchy. That's probably the one abusing you. It's fundamental. It's a bedrock that the whole system is built on, which is isolation, separation, and keeps you from asking questions. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It keeps you because when I first started my deconstruction, I was a couple months in, God bless that man. Like, just the (laughs) Bob. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every time I leave a counseling session with Bob, I would call Floyd and he would go,
3: Every time, Roberta. (laughs) It's been a couple of years now, but I still ask.
2: Yeah. Is he going to see you again? (laughs)
1: Like, is he dumb? Like,
2: I traumatized the the counselor to not want to see me anymore. Like, he's such a
1: supportive (laughs) husband. Have you broken him yet? Yes, that's exactly what he's so
3: nice. He's like, he's like a wish.com, Mr. Rogers. He's, he's the best. Yeah. He's, he's
2: amazing. But he recommended to me a few months after seeing him, like, I swear he was able to like recognize that I wasn't going to be able to talk to, you know, like negatively about anyone that was a part of my upbringing or my situation. Like that was just not something that was going to happen. And, but I think he also sensed that I was not in a place where I could pick up a self-help book and so then when I had been going for a few months he recommended to me the gifts of imperfection by Brene Brown and it was this mind-boggling situation because he was kind of some a man who was kind of an authority over my life like I know this sounds so twisted but and I know that I wasn't consciously thinking this he's
3: older he's a man he yes works at a church
2: yes Boom. like he automatically and so up until that point no one had given me permission like and if anything these kinds of books were kind of like, you, no, just, you just don't pick them up. He told me that I I should read it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went and I got it. I got it on Audible. I got it in paperback. I got it in hardcover. Like I went all the way and it was mind boggling that I know I keep saying mind boggling, but it I was so shell shocked by the information that I was reading and that there was just like another way to think. And it didn't have to be so intensely black and white. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know
2: wow. why I brought that up, yeah.
1: but I think everybody listening completely understands that. <laughs> like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The black and yeah. white, absolutely. Yeah,
2: that that's a huge part of
3: fundamentalism De- and deprogramming from it. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: And beginning like, to
3: accepting the unknown.
2: There can be exceptions, and you can ask questions, yeah. and because there's just they really discourage just,
3: critical thinking.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> that is what it is.
1: <laughs> so the documentary comes out. Have you had any backlash or any fair gaming, people attacking you, calling you names, anything like that?
2: I would say that as far as online goes or like an online presence, I have been so humbled and grateful for like just people. Support. I read a message today that just totally, oh, my heart just like melted all over the floor. And is that what that was? Yes. That's the what the mess was. Uh, that's what I needed the map for. Yeah. The message said something to the effect of, I know you probably don't think that you're a hero. And like right off the bat, I'm reading that. I'm like, yeah, hell no, no, I'm just a, a normal human person. And they were like, but to share your story at all, you know, to this degree, you're saving lives. And it's letting people know that even though maybe they can't put their finger on exactly what's wrong. These people who've gone before them, like have maybe figured it out. And it's okay to maybe ask some questions mm-hmm. and the challenge. And by it's the way, light. it's yes. literally
3: just shedding light.
2: Yes. And since there are people who've walked before you, we got you, boo. Like, come on, it's okay. It's safe over here. That bridge, it's not as scary as it looks. It's it's long. It'll take you a while. But you know, there's I think that has been one of the most beautiful parts of this experience is getting to know the cast and we've all shared this, you know, experience. Our stories don't match, but we all understand one another.
3: There's a lot of overlap.
2: Oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. And just with some of the backlash that we've received, getting to go to them and be like, Oh my gosh, this is what's happened. And then the validation, because To a certain extent, the conditioning that at least I received as a child leaves you so dependent on the validation of those over you or an authority over you that I'm sitting here, a 37-year-old woman that is still trying to figure out how to validate herself. And I know to a certain extent we all struggle with that, but I feel that this conditioning is even more so. Mm -hmm. Like, I never got to step into my adult shoes. And if that's something that anybody listening that resonates with them, that's an important sign that something happened in your childhood that didn't allow you to make that transition. And that's something that I'm definitely learning as a result of all this.
3: I'll say this. I don't have a ton of people in my life that understand or know about any of this. So overall, it's been supportive. My siblings watched it. They loved it. They were excited. I just am still in touch with a few people that I went to Verity with, for example, and they they were excited. A few coworkers have seen it. Uh, which is weird. I was in the office the other day and somebody yelled from the other room, Floyd, you're on my TV! And that was weird. But uh, <laughs> overall, it's been positive. Even, and this is where my brain just kind of exploded. My mother, who is unrepentant and says she would do everything again the same way she did it.
2: Or at least this is something that she said like 10 years ago.
1: Yeah. So well, we, we
2: haven't really had a whole lot of in-depth conversations since then. I'm just not trying to- well. I'm a very protective person. I don't know. Like I'm not trying not to protect to bad
3: protect, like protect adults. I
2: know. I know.
3: In any case, my mother watched it and texted through someone else because we don't talk a whole lot directly that she was proud of me, proud of us. And I was like, "Holy shit. What <laughs> alternative dimension have I fallen into? Like that my psychotic mother watched one watched it at all?" and somehow came away with a positive opinion even if she's lying the excuse fact that- me, even if she's lying that's not the person that i grew up with <laughs> yeah. yeah so so yeah uh that's it incredible crazy. it's insane oh i it's like insane. i
2: burst into tears like we i got this text message and he was in a meeting and i just started crying
3: i thought somebody had died <laughs> She doesn't burst in very often. Usually it's pretty some kind of emergency. It kind of was. I just, I wanted, because it had been sent to us in a group
2: text. So I knew he had the text message and I wanted to see his reaction. (laughs) Like, I'm like, you are not going to read this without me in the room. I have to view your reaction. And just the idea, you know, I was 19 when I married him. I was 18 when I met him, him, his family, you know, and just the experiences as a teenager being the first person to walk into their lives to be like, the shit is wrong. What is happening here? You know, I was the villain in their story. Yeah. And to be sitting here almost 20 years later going, She's proud of us? Like I just I don't
3: think I've fully accepted that it's happened. Again, this is an alternate dimension that yeah. I didn't originally belong to. I don't know what happened to all y'all's Floyd. I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> I don't know if he died and I took his place or if he's in my dimension now. Yeah, like, yeah. Why, is, why is
2: my mom so awful?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I've got this one. Yeah. I no. don't know. Yeah, this is...
2: <laughs> I guess what I'm comfortable saying is that is not the text message that I have received.
3: No one can see me nodding vigorously in agreement. You know, the overarching message that I have received Despite the opposite,
2: is that I have misrepresented what my childhood was, what my involvement was, and that I was not raised in a cult.
3: And which is exactly what people who perpetrate a cult would say.
1: He does have a point.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. And you know, I like, I think I've mentioned a few times, I definitely need more therapy and I'm looking into EMDR and I'm searching for, you know, the right people to have as a part of my team because I do not feel that I have misrepresented what my childhood was. I've repeatedly said how wonderful and beautiful it was. I have said that we use the character sketchbooks. I vaguely remember using some wisdom booklets, and I went to at least two
3: conferences. And the poisonous ideology that you absorbed from the limited contact nearly killed you. Yes. So I'm just and throwing it, that out
2: there. And that ideology was represented in other ways through James it, Dobson, through Adventures in Odyssey, through, you know, other books. All like non-denominational Christian searches. fundamental. Yeah. Yes. And at the end of the day, the fact that I have deconstructed and have stepped away from my fundy roots is the thing that if I don't look the it same causes- anymore- If you don't match, that is just a really important, it's one of the reasons why I had never picked up a self-help book. You know, you don't want to be of the world. You don't want to be.
3: When your worldview and your ideology demands utter compliance, anyone who doesn't match that becomes the enemy. Yeah. And that's no way to live a life.
2: It has sucked.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Strangers are great though. Strangers are great. Yeah, uh, people you know, not so much. Uh, that's yeah. uh, kind of par for yeah. the course, I think, yeah. when you yeah. when you step out and you go against the norm. Yeah, but it, I'm proud of you. Oh, I know too. I just met you, but I am proud yeah. of you, both of you.
2: No, and I I deeply appreciate that. It's I still have so much deprogramming to do because
1: again, people
3: cannot see me vigorously nodding in agreement.
2: My gosh, <laughs> I just. <laughs> Because there are people in my life that were authority in my life, even today, if I hear that viewpoint, my brain goes, they're right and I'm wrong. And that is, I I'm. I think EMDR and more specialized therapy is going to be the only way to kind of
1: deprogram. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Well,
1: let's flip the script really quick and talk about something funny, Okay, because one of the funniest things in the documentary for me was how you guys talked about how you were homeschool kids and you sort of just knew it by looking at each other. (laughs) Those of us who are not homeschooled, can you describe the look? And you can go into as much detail as you'd like. Oh, yeah. What's the look of a homeschool kid that made you go, he's the one? (laughs)
3: So. I'm going to start because this is one of my favorite stories of all time. Oh my gosh. Okay. When we met, I was working at Walmart in the electronics section and she came in. We we grew up in the Midwest. There wasn't a lot to do. Walmart was the thing to do. Mm -hmm. So we eventually began speaking. There was a lot of sass in the beginning. We ended up talking for like three hours and for like the first hour and a half, she's bouncing up and down. She's real animated or people can't see me waving my hands, but there was just a lot, you know, intense eye contact because we're trained to look people in the eye and give them a firm handshake, and just this intensity. And she kept saying over and over again, I'm not on drugs. I'm just really excited. I swear I'm not on drugs, which is what a person who's on drugs would say. (laughs) Oh my god. About an hour and a half, maybe two hours into the conversation, she goes, you know, I was homeschooled. And I go, oh, my gosh. I said, I'm not
2: on drugs. Oh, I know what will convince you. I was homeschooled.
3: And boom, I knew it. I believed her. You're not on drugs. Because I was homeschooled, too. And then her head exploded. Mm -hmm. It was.
2: Yeah. I would say that the look of a homeschooler. Okay, so number one, my upbringing tells me that the look of a homeschooler is someone who is being quietly respectful and, you know, just maybe can speak to adults better than other kids, their own age. And those things are true. I have, you know, even in recent years been at, you know, different, like a splash pad and there were two kids that were incredibly (laughs) kind to my son and like, and
3: they came over and talked to talked to me
2: and looked me in the eye. And it was just very like, I go, you guys are homeschooled. I go, where's your mom? Like I, I there not, was I,
3: a little bit of fear in their eyes because I think they thought maybe she's a DCFS <laughs> officer. A true <laughs> Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. We as kids, we we're always a little hesitant to answer that question. Because mm-hmm. We were lived in constant fear of the government.
0: But uh, Because we
2: were told to live in constant fear yes. of the government. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yes. That's
2: a pivotal part of that. Yeah. But I would say now, as today, Tara, there is a, still a certain look. Sometimes, it, it depends because there's different ends of the spectrum. To the extreme, you see kids, girls with long hair, they're in dresses and young men can be, you know, their clothes can look very clean and pressed and just, you know, almost it's not a uniform, but it almost looks like they're going to church kind of a thing, yeah. not a suit and tie, but just clean and polished. We stick
3: out. We it stick is. Out. I'm trying to put yeah. that
2: into words. Like, <laughs> and there's also Maybe it
3: had of to be there.
2: An overwhelming <laughs> look of kind of like-
1: Hello, fellow kids. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, yes. Yeah. Yes. This is going to be a hard throwback to anyone who had a fundamentalist upbringing, but in the left behind books, I don't are know. you familiar with those? <laughs>
1: I mean, I I dated a fundy guy and his family was super into the left behind books and movies Uh, in the early 2000s. Yes, yes. So yes. So So much of me is being triggered by what you're saying, because I I know my listeners know like that I wasn't raised in the church, but like the more I talk to fundies and talk about purity culture and all of this stuff, I'm like, oh my God, but like someone in my family was somewhere because all of these... Even you talking about the truancy officer, like my yes. dad would talk about the truancy officer. Yes. Yeah. And I'd never heard like, yes. So I don't yeah. know, someone in my family somewhere.
2: There's some connection because you've got, yeah, some fringe that's, things getting uh, that's triggered. Hilarious.
3: Yeah. But in today I would probably describe the Left Behind series as poorly written Christian fan fiction. But uh, there's this thing where they all have the... You know, there's the mark of the beast, that's the Antichrist, but the Christians have their own mark that only they can see so they can tell who the real Christians are. And I was just imagining that for homeschoolers, like, like there's an aura or like a a, a spiritual neon sign over their heads. Only other homeschoolers oh can
1: God. see. I don't know. The visual dog whistle.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, and to a certain extent, I feel like as an adult today, or so they tell me, uh <laughs> When I see, you know, maybe some that are like, you know, they're very fundy. There's just a look of like out of place. Yeah. Like maybe even a little bit of fear because it sounds so crazy, but it's like, Okay, I have a memory of seeing like a very Duggar style family at Walmart. And the mm-hmm. thing is, especially if it's anything like Bill Gothard IBLP, mm-hmm. it's anything around you could attach it. to you and you can bring it home and your family's affected by it. Is someone to kind of come up and ask me if I want to take drugs? Like that, like it's the world is so evil, you know. For sure there's someone's gonna come and make me do something bad, and I've got to be on guard. So it's kind of like a what? Okay, I'm I'm being respectful, but also on the alert for, for the devil. Like, that's kind of the vibe yeah. I get. That would be, though, from the more extreme side. <laughs> She's dying. Yeah. I'm
1: uh, dying. Okay. <laughs> gotta be on the alert for the devil. Like, the I mean, devil. yes, right. like your Sorry. face right now. Oh, yeah. I'm just like oh, yeah. deer in headlights, That's,
2: that's scared, the phrase. shifty
1: eyes. Roberta,
2: <laughs> deer in the headlights. Oh, yeah. And you actually used to describe homeschool kids like that.
3: Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, that you out. did. Yeah.
2: And that was because you can look at them, and even if, say, they're not as fundy at, or as IBLP, like Duggers. They're the in Duggars, their worldly clothes. <laughs> or say they're just more atypical, like my family, you know, middle of the line. I got to wear jeans. There wasn't, we had to be modest. Like there were no two piece swimsuits, you know, one piece, and you had to have cover ups and stuff like that. But like that was way more worldly than what the Duggers got to experience. Yeah. I mean,
3: you guys did mixed swimming.
2: Oh yeah, we did. <laughs> oh yeah.
3: At Verity, like, there was a gym that we belonged to. Well, I didn't, but you know like <laughs> the other people.
2: I was like, "This is news to me." Yeah, I know the computer nerd.
3: I, I only heard about the gym.
2: Oh, okay, okay. But there rumor was a, had it there, there was, was a gym.
3: There was a gym in Flint that did a deal with Verity, so anyone who wanted to sign up got a deal, mm-hmm. and they did swimming. The guys were on Tuesday, and the girls were on Thursday. They left twenty-four hours between. I don't know, so that the water wouldn't be tainted with the men. I would assume that's what it is. Uh, but yeah, they left 24 hours in between, uh, you know, just for propriety's sake, I guess.
1: Wow. So then this is, here comes another Arrested Development moment. Yes. How triggering is Anne and the Veal family for you mm-hmm. watching? Because they're kind of like the Fundy family in Arrested Development.
3: Well, first of all, let me say that Alan Tudyk can do no wrong. He's
1: so good. Well, you got to lock that down.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But quite. You know, (laughs) know, it's funny because years ago, I mean, like two to three years ago, I would be triggered by things at a deeper level or a different level than what Tara would have experienced. So, like, when The Handmaid's Tale first came out, I'm sitting there watching it, mortified because... I'm like, I grew up with people who think this is a great idea. And, and
2: I'm sitting there watching this, like, this is so artistic. Like, I
3: just, <laughs> this is so, inter- like, it just, that's just so deep
2: of a disconnect. I'm ready
3: to throw up. And she's like, now mind you, she's making notes. Nope. Not on, uh, on the artistic thing.
2: Yeah. Man. But now mind you, the other thing that pops into my mind about like Anne from Arrested Development or like Handmaid's Tale, like, not only would that not be something that you would ever be allowed to watch yeah, right. through IVLP, but like, If you view something that's kind of like in Arrested Development's case, making fun of or making light of like, that's irreverent. Do not like, don't even watch it. Well, that's just, so there's guilt in watching that. And then with Handmaid's Tale, I watched it for years before I ever told a soul, like not even a friend that I watched it because it would be considered like that. It's being disrespectful. Cause like, that's not what we believe as Christians. You know, that's not what we think should happen. But when you look at, oh, I don't know, Florida, uh, like that does feel like (laughs) a path that could like, like a real case scenario. Yeah. So it took me starting my deconstruction to go, oh shit, this, this is scary AF. And oh my gosh, this is exactly, it feels all too real. So then we were both sitting there like, you know, freaked out. Horrified.
3: Yeah. If, and this is, you know, just a red flag alert for any of the people listening. If you watch anything like The Handmade Tale or Shiny Happy People and you feel personally attacked, then you are probably a bad person. Oh, my and God. You, you can't, you think can't about... sway
2: people like that. That's not your starting off point, Floyd. <laughs> this, is,
3: this is the polite version of what I've been saying for weeks, which is if you see this and you think it's an attack on your ideology, well, then fuck you. Oh because.
1: What he means by fuck you is. Dig deeper. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. More. Maybe you're in a high demand control group. Welcome to to my world. (laughs) Because
2: Floyd goes straight to fire pits. And I'm like, you know, maybe we could like address this a little more calmly. I do
3: tend to skip passive and go straight to aggressive.
2: Yeah, that is like, (laughs) that is his thing. There's that word passive does not even exist. But I did see someone, you know what? I would love to actually read it if at all possible, because it was that powerful to me. So we knew there would be people in regards to the documentary that would feel it as an attack, you know, not only on perhaps their religious choices, but on homeschooling and whether or not it was spoken or unspoken, a massive part of my upbringing included, like, you know, you don't want the government involved. You know, you don't want your rights to be challenged. You want to completely stay protected. And so, so you don't even want to talk bad about your belief systems or the things that are important to you, even like adjacent to it, because eventually it could come back and hurt you or what you want to be doing.
3: Fear, 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 fear.
2: Yes, (laughs) Um, and maybe a little bit of fear on top, mm, good point. just
1: and then for... sprinkled with fear,
2: yes, you nailed it, okay, so there was this was on Twitter, oh, yeah, and someone tweeted, uh, the Duggar documentary is ultimately just an excuse to make Christian families look insane. It has very little to do with the actual theological or cultural problems with this specific sect and has much more to do with making Christians as a whole look like fools,
3: which to my aforementioned point, fuck that person. <laughs>
2: And I will more or, th- or think
3: more deeply about your life choices. That, yes. that, yeah, yeah. Lead
2: with that one, okay? And then you think the "f you" put oh, yeah, in your yeah. head. Okay. That's yes, okay. And the response by this person, Reverend Jacob Brenton, the much more thoughtful response. Yes, that just like I have it on my phone because the second I start to feel like, yeah. oh my gosh, you know, this was scary. Roberta. Did I help attack- This is like because. I'm not anti-religion. I'm not anti-homeschooling. I'm pro doing it responsibly and without abuse. You're
3: anti-abuse.
2: Yes. But the thing is, again, anything, like even on the outskirts of what you believe, if that's being attacked, then you're being attacked. And so- that oh,
3: makes the
2: wagons right. So, this is what he said. Our main takeaway from shiny happy people as Christians shouldn't be yikes, what a PR problem for Christianity. It should be weeping for the victims, repentance for how we enabled IBLP, and resolve to dismantle systems within our religion that enable abuse. Like, Beautiful. yes, and,
3: and that's basically what I said.
1: <laughs> I mean, you just it's more short and sweet, but yeah, Much that's right. basically what Floyd said.
3: Yeah, okay. Yeah, just it's- efficient. I'm a computer programmer, I like things to be short. Oh my god, <laughs> this
2: human, this human, <laughs> but I think that that is a problem within Christian fundamentalism that is rampant like, no questions. Yeah, if you start to question something, it is an attack, and it's just
3: that's not true. It's,
2: it's not, not, you should not be able reality. to have a discussion if you're listening and there's a situation in your life where. Even if it's not spoken, but you know it subconsciously that you can't ask a question about this, or you'll hit x, y, z of a uh, different responses that are not going to be pleasant.
3: that needs to be a signal for alarm
2: that is a huge signal. That is a huge signal. Yeah. If you cannot challenge something, that is wrong. Yep. it doesn't make you less of a believer. It doesn't make you less of, you know, a Christian or whatever. To ask questions. If, if you can't question something. It
3: makes you less of a cult member.
2: Do. Oh, jeez, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think too. Like everything about my upbringing. And I don't mean this from like my parents' perspective. Like that my parents taught me this. This is just what I picked up along the way. Yes. Yeah. There was some conditioning in there too. I have to be completely honest. Incapable of lying. Yes. <laughs> it's like grace and love are things that you. Are taught, but you aren't necessarily always shown. There's no tolerance for sin, and there's no tolerance. I just think about like
3: for people who don't conform to that worldview.
2: Yes, and it's like once you're out, you're kind of out. I don't know. I don't know why that just hit me like that, but yeah. I've I've struggled my entire life with feeling so much love and so much grace for people.
3: Yeah, but. At the end of the system that doesn't want that.
2: Right. I'd say at the end of the day, the biggest thing that was like, obviously COVID and having that time together, my deconstruction really helped, but there was a book, I'm not going to remember her last name. The book is called How to Do the Work. Have you heard about it?
3: Nicole Lepar.
2: Oh, by Dr. Nicole Lepar. Yeah. And I had followed her on Instagram for a while. Her Instagram handle is the holistic psychologist and she comes at... Every single person has had trauma. Now my trauma doesn't look the same as yours, Roberta, but your childhood means sitting here, not knowing a thing about your childhood. I know that you experienced trauma and that's the way that she applies it because as a child, we look to our parents as the people who are keeping us alive and it's for survival. So we are going to, bend to the will and to the needs of the people who are meeting our needs. And as a result of that trauma happens, conditioning happens, blah, blah, blah. So she looks at it from that perspective and then shows you how to work through it, how to give yourself worth, how to.
3: It's a lot of hippy dippy bullshit and it's all 100% true.
2: <laughs> he said that from the perspective of our upbringings, like yeah. that book was not on an approved reading list. Like. Not in the slightest. I made so many waves when I started talking about that book in my life. It was very traumatizing.
3: But it was foundational for you to get health for you and health for mentally. Us, yeah.
2: That was the thing. Like Because then in these moments where like I'm like, why is he responding this way? Oh my gosh, is he going to go out drinking? Or oh my gosh, is he hiding something from me? It really showed us the tools to start breaking those moments down. And- we have Floyd and I are not perfect. I don't want anyone to have picked that up along the way. We still have <laughs> we still will will have disagreements, arguments. We do not fight. Like that is not something that we do because when we start to have a situation without fail one of us will realize that the other one is being the hurt child in the situation. And and it's so weird because it just feels I don't even know how it happens, but it does where he will look at me and I'll see it in his eyes where it's like mercy and grace and love. And I'm like, well, shit, I'm being the hurt child in this situation. (laughs) And then there's times where like he's aggravated or upset or frustrated about something. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the Floyd who had to be the man of the house. This is the Floyd who had to cook in order for him and his siblings to eat. This is the man who had to do laundry in order for them to have clean clothes because their mom was too upset. To move or function because their dad had been sent away. So it's like, I see he's operating out of that. And I think that we need to do that with the people, with everyone, but the people that we love the most, we desperately need to understand. Yeah. And just realize that we're all going to be coming from that place of the hurt child or the traumatized child. I'm not sure I answered your question.
1: you did. you 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 answered <laughs> okay. so many of the ones that I have. So they sort of all like lump okay. in. Um I have okay. one, I have one last question or one last okay. sort of statement from a patreon member. So Donna asked first, I want to thank both of you for your bravery to be involved in shiny, happy people and for taking time to be interviewed. She says that I hope you are both taking the time that you need mentally and emotionally. I listened to Jen, I think Kuna, I don't know how to say her last name, but I listened to Jen Kuna's interview on cults and consciousness. She was an IBLP and worked at the training centers based on her experience. She described shiny, happy people as basically the PG version of an R rated movie. Do you feel that that description is valid based on your experiences? Yes.
2: Yes.
3: I'm trying to remember what the difference between R and NC17 is. <laughs> we'll just go we'll just go with R. Yeah, absolutely. Or yes. I've been yeah. yeah, I've been saying since it came out this just scratches the surface. There's there- so much. They did a phenomenal job. They did
2: a fantastic job, but I mean, they stayed, you know, like at one point in, in the documentary, there's like this image of like IBLP kind of as the umbrella. And then all the things that came underneath it and the stories that they could tell about every single one of those individual ministries or programs, sorry, that fall underneath that is mind boggling. And when I say, you know, yes, absolutely. I'm saying it again, not as someone who witnessed it firsthand, but from what I've seen with my husband and what I've heard from other people, it's mind boggling, but
1: well, I'm glad to know that you guys are feeling that way too. I mean, I saw it and I felt like it scratched the surface based on just what I know from talking to people about these topics. And it was the same with Lula Rich as well. You know, I was like, they didn't talk about this or this or this or this. Right. So that's why I like to have these sort of interviews anyway, because there's so and you guys didn't get as much screen time as I thought you really needed. But there's (laughs) there's so much to have so many conversations. I mean, just hours and hours of conversations and you'll never, ever get to the bottom.
3: Right.
2: One of the things that we've been told is so all of the people who are in this cast have phenomenal stories that deserve more airtime and i'm not like tooting floyd's horn or you know anybody specifically but if you want to hear more of the people who very bravely stepped up to be a part of this documentary's their stories please contact amazon prime like please let these people know harass them yes leave it in the reviews right like, jeff please.
3: bezos oh my god <laughs>
2: no but however you can do it at amazon prime on tiktok on instagram and in the you can leave reviews on the documentary itself you know uh on amazon prime mm-hmm. and say i want to hear more from from this person or this person i would like more details from every single person who was in this cast yeah. and cuz i just think like i've had the immense honor of getting to know these humans and they're phenomenal people and they're all worthy of, I feel like their bravery should be acknowledged and their voice amplified maybe a little bit more.
3: Like, And let's just be crass about it. I mean, there's a lot of tea to spill. There's a lot of gossip that didn't fit well into the incredibly accurate and well-presented documentary that they made. We got a lot of shit to talk about. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, that's what like live Patreon-exclusive chats are for. I mean, you can really <laughs> no, say whatever we want in there because it's not there in public.
0: Go. There you go. You gotta pay
1: to see that oh stuff. God.
2: Yeah. I mean, one of the things just off, the, you know, without getting too deep is alert the militia program. Yeah, it was diabolical. Mm-hmm. It was that is one of the areas that, um, yeah, they the whole thing was very harmful. But alert, we have firsthand, you know, knowledge,
3: knowledge of people who went through the program and it's, it's insidious. It,
2: it, it all is. Yeah, but. Those boys will never be the same.
1: For me, like that was one of the really cool things with the documentary was shining the light on those sort of things, because mm-hmm. I think most people know that stuff is happening somewhere because mm-hmm. like, how else would we get what we're getting? Like yes. there's some right. sort of pipeline, but we just kind of call it the pipeline. But now we know right. it's called the Joshua generation. Like we know right. that it's this yes. training pipeline right. from this schooling to yes. the White House kind of thing. Yes. Like, And yeah. I was like, oh. There's a name for it. There's language for this.
2: Yes. Yes. And just to be completely frank, they knew this documentary was coming and some of the lingo they've already been prepping to change it. So now, you know, the signs of it. Even if it's called something different, it's still related. It's all the same material.
1: How MLM-y of them to change the names of things to different names. Oh, yes. Very mlm To avoid accountability and press. It is.
3: It makes you wonder what happened because they changed from the uh, Institute and Basic Youth Conflicts to the Institute and Basic Life Principles
2: oh yeah back in the 80s Yeah, what
3: the hell happened there
2: interesting Mm. oh yeah
1: there's (laughs) well the story (laughs) I'm really interested to hear about because it's been hinted a couple times and I was like wait save it until I hit record because I want to be surprised (laughs) so you've already mentioned several times that you work in IT and you're a computer nerd Mm -hmm. and all of that and (laughs) so the story I want to hear about yeah, is, is, I heard something about you putting something on Bill Gothard's computer or something. Yes.
3: So this was the, probably the very last Knoxville conference I ever attended.
1: How old were you?
3: I was probably 19-ish. Okay. Were you currently attending Verity? Yes. Okay. So I was at Verity, which was IBLP's fake college, presumably to get a degree in computer science, which I never did because it wasn't real. <laughs> 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 and, and it w- its weird because like in I have this weird timeline of we went to the conferences for years and years, and then we kind of stopped. And there was like a year or two gap. Maybe they didn't have one one year. Or we just didn't go, whatever. But I distinctly remember this was my last one because I was in Verity, and they had this awful kid. His name was Ben. He was the head of IT at Oakbrook headquarters. At least that's what I remember. And everyone hated him because he was an idiot <laughs> and uh
2: was
1: he... how you really feel yeah, yeah i know, I know. Right? he's right? just
2: it's like that's been the biggest trial my whole life roberta is just trying to get any information out of this man it's like just pulling teeth
3: i sat in bill gothard's office we had gone there to beg him for like 400 dollars to start a computer lab to repair computers which he denied because if we repaired someone's computer they might go and use it for pornography uh and that would be our fault because we fixed it, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> whatever, yeah. But he told us how how his IT department had come to him and said, "We need this really expensive server, like thousands of dollars." And they tried to justify it. And this wonder kid it was like, "Oh, all we need is a I got this old PC with two network cards in it, and plugged it in, and it sits on the floor, and it does everything that that other server would have done, and it didn't cost anything." And as I'm listening to him spiel this out, the actual IT guy in the background, I can just see him dying and later got the details of they wanted an industrial grade server to handle the load for their pornography filtering service. Character Link. Character Link. It wasn't just pornography. You could filter up to, I think, 60 different categories. Pornography, humanism, sports, live chat. Like they they had this
1: global warming, Yeah, like putting your own parental blocker on yourself.
3: Yeah. It was a whitelist for the internet, which meant you couldn't go to a website unless someone had physically approved it.
2: So it wasn't just blocking these 60 things. The only websites you could access were the things that IBLP had deemed appropriate. Or
3: had categorized. Had categorized. You got to pick which categories were blocked. Mm Mm-hmm. But some poor traumatized girl at headquarters, there were like a dozen of them. They would sit all day and click through links that had been submitted for review. Because
2: if a family wanted to be able to look at a link, they had to send it to IBLP to be approved. And then there was this group of people.
3: Who did the categorization process. Would go
2: through and look like, okay, this is safe. They can go to this page about
1: pandas. Yes. Hello, information control. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man,
3: my fond memories of Netscape browser, because I figured out pretty quick that you could download a different browser that didn't have the proxy settings baked into it and just completely get around it, uh, which was right. You know,
2: let's get to the T.
3: Okay. So character link was their filtering system. I was at Knoxville. I was helping set up. So I ran network cable, set up different computers, whatever. I was shadowing Ben and they called him and said, Hey, we need someone to come and work on Gothard's computer. He's like, come with me. So I went and we go and he opens up the Windows registry editor, which for non-nerds is like the core settings of the system. I'm like, oh, what do you do? He's starting to disable, like click and clack, disable this, delete that. I'm like, oh, what are you doing? He goes, well, all these come from headquarters pre-set with character link. But this computer is for Bill Gothard and he has to do too much research. So we have to disable character link on this computer. And the only way to do it is to edit the registry so it's permanently disabled, but only on his computer. So, yeah, I personally oversaw Bill Guthard's laptop getting the accountability software disabled.
1: Rules for thee, but not for me. Yes.
3: 100%.
2: That's the message behind all of it.
3: When uh, this is just another fun little snippet he loved to talk about eating well you know eat whole wheat bread and real vegetables and like all these weird health things like he was like buzzfeed before buzz like (laughs) one weird trick your doctor doesn't want you to know about it's wheat bread (laughs) (laughs) but when i was in russia he came to oversee this thing they did for the retired school teachers once a year big pageant and he would come and everyone would applaud him and it was really just for the accolades i think but uh man we scrambled to get everything we painted trim we fixed doors all because we all- he was coming because he visit. was coming everything had to be pristine And one of the girls that was responsible for his room, getting the sheet, you know, changed the bed and got everything cleaned up, was panicking because she couldn't find a mini refrigerator. And I was like, what do you need a refrigerator for? And she's like, why are you talking to me? I'm a girl. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She's like, well, anywhere Gothard goes, he has to have a mini fridge and it has to be filled with ice cream and Snickers and like all of this junk food, like a personal stash in his room. To his credit, Russian ice cream is, like, on point. <laughs> I saw people standing in sub-zero temperatures to get ice cream outside. It was that good. But, uh, but yeah, but that was everywhere. It wasn't just in Russia. Yeah, anywhere. <laughs> it's he- just so yeah.
1: strange. Like, he's talking about all this health food. And, again, it's this, like, I'm better than you. But not yeah. really. This
3: is how you need to live your life.
1: In
2: order for God to, you know, yeah. love you. But I'm obviously the earpiece to God.
1: God has so clearly I'm blessed good. me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. obviously God invented ice cream Right. and that's fine. Then you can have it. I'm like he sure gave us eliminated. the knowledge to make it. So it's, yeah. it's good. Yeah. I'm going to allow ice cream. I'm going to yeah. give it a okay. pass.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but not Snickers. Yeah.
2: No, I no, no that Snickers nougat part. is out of yeah. It's <laughs>
1: otherworldly. So yeah, is I don't know. True maybe true? witchcraft.
2: Yeah. It, it very much. Uh, idolatry. Could be. Yes. True. Oh my gosh. Never cease to amaze me. You know, hearing any stories that just made it like you know he can do no wrong but everyone else needs to live their life like this yeah
1: spoken like a true cult leader yes Mm -hmm. yes
2: absolutely
1: wow well I want to say thank you to you guys for coming on here and having this chat with me I've been looking forward to it like seriously since the first time I met you I was like I can't (laughs) wait to talk to you on the show thank you very much (laughs) thank you so much Where can everybody find you and follow you? Because I think they love you just as much as I do.
2: (laughs) Well, we are on TikTok. My screen name or our screen name is Advocate Average. And that name is, yes, it's all one word. That name is like very funny because I've had that screen name picked out for like over a decade and I didn't know what it was like for, but it just, for me, it's, the idea that we have been turned against some of these things that are so average like ice cream or you television. know television and it's like <laughs> these are okay emotional support right <laughs> yeah yeah and so i'm kind of wildly grateful for that that name and for this season of our life and you can find us under the same name on instagram
3: advocate average i love it i lurk oh, on reddit but i'm not going to tell anyone what my screen name is oh so you'll just have to get it don't, oh
1: don't ever give it up yeah <laughs> don't <laughs> ever give up your reddit name ever
3: <laughs> right i'll have to make a new account so. yeah, oh my god
1: So at the end of my show, I do these rapid fire questions and usually they're MLM based, but I edit them slightly for IBLP. Okay. 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 All right. So one word to encompass how you feel about IBLP.
3: Disgusted.
1: I guess control. Control. Okay. So here is your chance to give somebody a warning to maybe somebody who's on the fringe of this lifestyle. I know IBLP doesn't like, exist or like, I guess the, whatever it is, you know, it's kind of like on right. the fringe now, but somebody right. who's in a similar group who might be contemplating going deeper into this, following that pipeline into that new ecosystem. What oh would you tell them? What would be your, your warning to them?
2: Anything that does not allow you to ask questions, you should be concerned about. You should be allowed to challenge it. And if it can stand up to questions, then it's worth following. But if you're not even allowed to ask the questions to begin with, please, you know, do a double take.
3: What she said. (laughs) (laughs) Really, though, I mean, that's information is key. Anything that restricts or tries to control what you think are allowed to pursue is just run yeah don't, don't life is more beautiful than
2: the conspiracy theories
3: would let you think yes absolutely yeah not I everybody's agree. get you. yeah
2: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> what is the worst memory that you have during your time in iblp
3: that is such a good question i'm really excited because again i have the heaviest answer out of anyone in the room <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you answer first
2: Oh, oh, thanks. throws that on me. (laughs) So because I wasn't like a part of ATI, I would say that the number one thing that caused me trauma would be the character sketchbooks. And just as a little girl loving nature and animals, taking the stories that were utilized to just drive home the idea of being obedient or being loyal or having perseverance or being honest, I think those stories were slightly just traumatizing for me. And I, as a little girl, I took them
3: way too, like too seriously. I think for me, it would probably be sitting in a room with my parents and Bill Gothard and Bill Gothard almost gleefully asking my father what caused him to abuse a minor and listening with rapt attention. Like that's a sour one for me.
2: You win. Yeah, yeah, you win for sure.
3: Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) Childhood trauma. (laughs) Wow.
1: On the heels of that, what that? (laughs) what was the hardest lesson that you learned?
3: That almost everything I had been raised to believe was a lie, not just wrong, but was a focused, constructed lie. Yeah. But it was also the most freeing thing I ever learned.
2: Yeah. I'm still walking a lot of that, but I would agree as well that just accepting that maybe what you've known as your truth, you know, is anything but, and when it's the fabric of your existence, that's a little bit, uh, you
1: know, death defying. (laughs) I could only imagine. And we're going to end it on a positive by me asking you guys the most positive takeaway from IBLP.
2: Can we say the most positive takeaway from IBLP or from the documentary? The most
1: positive takeaway from the whole experience. You choose. There we
2: go. Perfect.
3: Okay. Go for it. Oh, I have to go first. Sure. You threw it on me the last one. I'm going to cheat and answer twice. Okay. One one of my fondest memories, not yet deconstructed from the religious trauma, but firmly outside of IBLP's grasp, was walking into a training center with this hot young thing on my arm and being very flaunty and flirty.
2: I sat on his lap right in the middle of the
3: lobby. The lobby, yeah. Mm-hmm. We almost got kicked out, but not quite. Yeah, they were circling. <laughs> yeah. That was a lot. Of fun.
2: I have a picture of it.
3: Yeah. But I think the best thing that came out of this was seeing all of this darkness exposed and people finally it feels like for me people are finally seeing it for what i've seen all of these years the validation and the outpouring of support and and just hopefully helping to kill it i think it's been the best part for me
2: i think the best part for me is the fact that while i wasn't you know raised in the clutches of ivlp that i was raised enough within christian fundamentalism that that day that i walked into walmart i looked like enough of a homeschooler <laughs> that this one recognized it and we could spend the next you know few years of our lives yeah. surviving but also being married and with my best friend
3: ultimately thriving
2: yes and my son and you know this my entire little family right here as a result of being a geeky,
1: nerdy little homeschooler. Enough overlap. Yes. <laughs> I will say that you guys are the cutest. <laughs> Thought you were the cutest in the documentary. But anybody listening, you need to get you a person who looks at each other. Like they look at each other. I don't even I can't even explain the way that they look at each other. It is the most adorable darling hope-inducing thing <laughs> in the name of love I've ever seen.
3: I feel so bad for all y'all. If, if This is the standard, dear God.
2: You know what it is? It's it's the survival though. I think it's, you know, I can sit here 18 years into this and go, we've been through hell. We yeah. saw hell. We're back. And I can sit here and be more in love with this man than the day that I married him. So it's just, it's, a it's, there's a seeing, lot of
3: gratitude yes, in both of us.
2: Seeing someone's humanness and loving them because of it, not like in spite of it. Like
3: that's and that ultimately that was the message that Christ came to give. It was the one we were supposed to take away. I never got. I never
1: got. Yeah. Wow.
3: Sorry to get religious at the end, but
1: <laughs> yeah. hey, it works. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you both so much. Thank you so, Thank much. You so this was much. This has been
3: amazing.
2: Yes, yes. Very, very fun.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Don't forget to like, subscribe and share and follow us on social media at Life After MLM Podcast and my advocacy at The Real Roberta Blevins. You can find all of the links to the social accounts in our show notes. And if you just listened to that incredible story and you thought, oh my God, I have a story just like that that needs to be told. Hit me up, therealrobertablevins at gmail.com. I would love to have you on the show to share your story and start your journey in life after MLM. See you next time, Hans.